Welcome to Interviews. My name is Laurent Autain. I'm a business coach on a quest to crack the entrepreneurship code. So I thought, why not talk to entrepreneurs and ask them the right questions? I make sure to alternate between a male and a female guest every week. I hope their answers will inspire you. This podcast is available on all your favorite platforms. If you enjoy it, there are three ways you can help me make it bigger. One, subscribe. Two, share your favorite episode on social media. Three, buy me a pizza. Blog on my website, laurentnotin.com slash podcast and click on the icon, buy me a pizza. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking. Log on their website, socialprize.me. Hi, thank you for listening. Today, we're going to Spain. I am with Maria Hanegeles Leon, co-founder and CEO at Open Value Foundation, an organization with an hybrid model between traditional philanthropy and private capital investment. Maria is also the co-founder of several other ventures. Hello, Maria. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hello, Laurent. I'm lucky to be with you. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed you are. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your journey. Okay. Um, the journey that leads me to Open Value Foundation and the CEO and everything is uh, probably normal one for people that it's very interested in philanthropy since they are young. I was talking today with some people that were asking me whether this um, social inclination is natural or you can just develop it. And I think it's like you're born with this because my mm. children, I have five, just one of them, she's really inclined to this kind of things and she wants to volunteer and things like that. Rest of them, they don't really think about it. So I was lucky enough to be uh, born with this thinking in other people, especially these people that doesn't have other opportunities. So mm. it started very soon in Spain. We are very lucky because we have people helping at home. Housekeeping is easy. And I was always trying to teach the people working at home to write and learn more and then do any course to get out of my place and do something else like more interesting. <laughs> so not all of them wanted, but it was just, I was feeling that. So with this in my mind, uh, I've um, always do like little philanthropy acts here and there mm. with a nun that was asking for something and so on. And then we, when we got married, we decided to... Um, put 30% of our in income every year into helping others that were less lucky than we were before. Right. You know that when you're just married, love is all around. You don't need anything <laughs> but to stay with this man. <laughs> so that we, when we committed, maybe if they asked me now to commit 30% of our income to do this thing, maybe I would say it's too much. But yeah, by then, I was about to say 30% yeah. was a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, but we we were renting a house that was okay. We were having money to go on holiday. So what else? Mm. <laughs> so we were lucky enough that after a few years, my 
husband's business were running very well. He's an investor. And we were making a bit more money. And um, the philanthropy work we were doing become more serious. And then right. we started uh, opening a foundation, but still doing like same acts of philanthropy. We were helping hospitals in Malawi, in Uganda, in Kenya, also like schools, little schools here and there. So, and every year it was always the same, same children, same mothers, same people. And at the end of 10 years after doing this, we realized that we have generated dependency instead of independency and freedom that that, that that was we wanted them to be more free to decide on their future so mm. it was a big crisis we thought it was a, an amount of money but still 10 years doing like wrong in our minds so we started looking for new ways of doing philanthropy we got to know the microfinance mm. and um, Grameen Bank the bank that was uh, in, launched by Professor Junius, that was Nobel laureate in 2006. So we were learning, learning, learning. We started our own microfinance projects in Africa that were working very well. And that at the end of a few years, these women were like really independent from us. They were like full of gratitude, but then didn't ask anymore. So that was very good. And we still have this same money that was coming up back to us to do more and more and more projects. And at the same time, we learn about what they call patient capital in an organization that it's called Acumen in the States. Mm. Later, the Rockefeller called this impact investing. Mm. And that's what we are doing now. So this is a long story. Do you want me to follow on? <laughs> no, it's, a, it's okay. Uh, so today, if I get it right, you're an entrepreneur. So you're making, yeah. you're, you're, you're getting revenue from, yeah. uh, from selling your services, but you're mm -hmm. also a philanthropist. So it's yeah. possible to be an entrepreneur and a philanthropist. Yeah, sure. So what are we, yeah, yeah, yeah. The magic about this, inside the foundation, later I can tell you another things that I'm doing, but inside the foundation, whenever you start using the same dollar mm. one and once and once again, then it's like you are not needing to um, receive more income, although we do. So in a way, we have transformed our donation programs into loan programs. Not all of them, but some of them. So these, these ones, they work by themselves. And we could repeat the same model year by year. So right. this is like working by themselves. And then on the other hand, we do some in Spain that we don't know a lot of about impact investing. We do some education and we try to help corporations to start walking this path, even asset managers that want to have a small part of the funds doing impact investing. So from this uh, side of the foundation, we obtain revenues mm. that are just to pay the infrastructure that we need people that is in there and the small office that we have in, in Madrid and the teams that we have in now Kenya and Uganda. So, but the money we deploy to these projects, it's coming back to us. So it's magic. Right. <laughs> What is impact investing? Okay, so it become more and more professional. I guess the first project that were done like that oof, must be around the 80s or something like this. And mm. there were small amounts of money here and there. More like a, a traditional NGO trying to start a productive um, project 
in some areas. So they, they, they start doing that. Oxfam is a good NGO that has been working in, in commercialization of the products that they have in their projects all around the world in, in, in the poverty countries. Mm. So it started there, but really, really as a business that was touching the Big Apple in Manhattan, should be around 2004, 2006, when they started to invest bigger amount of money right. into, into poor countries. So impact investing is investing with purpose. So you are not just return oriented that you are, mm. but you really want to do something with your money. So when you start a fund that is doing impact investing, you have like two accounts. You have your business plan, how big are you going to be? Where are you going to invest? In what kind of sectors? Whatever. And then you have your theory of change. And that's what makes you different from normal investors. And the theory of change is your social business plan. Is right. what social change do you want to achieve with this fund and this money that you're going to put in the market? That's, that's impact investing, social impact investing. Okay. Hmm, interesting. So let's say, I am an entrepreneur. I want to do, you know, something with my money. I'm looking at impact investing as an option. How should I proceed? What what should I look like? Should look at sorry, uh, and etc. Tell us a little bit about you know what we need to do. Yeah, to start. Yes. So okay, first thing I was doing is whether you want to invest in your country or abroad, mm. because needs are everywhere. And somehow I feel here in Spain, I don't know anywhere in the world, uh, people feel like I want to help locally. So if you want to help locally, then you have to start looking for uh, social impact investors in your country, which they are. In Spain, we have a bunch of like less than 10, but other countries in Europe, they have a lot. So you just go go social impact investing in France or in Finland or wherever, and then they will start to appear. Right. Uh, Normally, these funds are like for very well-informed investors. So you need to invest a big amount of money. But more and more, we are funding crowdfunding platforms that will help you with 100 euros to start investing through a crowdfunding platform in Africa. I think there is, a, I don't know if it's Finnish or is Dutch, that it's called Lend a Hand. Lend mm -hmm. a Hand is marvelous. It's doing the crowdfunding for impact investing. So, yeah. Okay. But then, like you say, I need a, a social business plan. Yeah. What you should... need a social impact fund if you want to invest. If you want to be an entrepreneur, but you want your business to be social, yes. the first thing that you have to do is to think, really, if you have a call, it's very mm. important. So, because this is like time consuming energy consuming and probably the probabilities of success are very small same as if you are starting uh, another type of business so an entrepreneur you know what it is it mm. takes a lot of time but once you feel really that you have the call you really need to think where um how is the best way for your talent to be deployed so i was learning from um, a kenyan guy that started well he was very successful in his um, studies so he got a grant and another grant and then he came to the states to study and he's helping um, schools in 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 south africa um, that are like giving um, people the opportunity to learn better and to to follow his path 
be very good at, at your studies. Now with your iPhone, you can receive everything, exams, more uh, books, whatever, for free, almost, or that's what he deployed. So he was always like um, thinking, where should I live? Should I be in South Africa and close to um, the business there? Or should I be in the States where I have made my connection? So mm. uh, what he decided, uh, and he, it wasn't one night he was dreaming, he's like, where am I doing more impact? Is it better for what I want to do to stay close to these big investors in the States and try to put their money into Africa or should I be growing school by school in Africa? So the answer is easy. He should be in the States because he will be able to do more impact. So that's what you have to think. Is it locally where I have to do it? Should I, should I be very close to the problem I want to solve? Mm. Or am I like, I don't know, old enough or in my career, I have been like high enough in the hierarchy of a company that I could better try to change the company from inside? So there are so many ways of being a social entrepreneur. It's just that you have to feel the call to solve something, whatever, and, and to understand very well where are you in the world and what is the best way you just can help you do that. Sometimes it's just staying at your place and your job and try to change people around you. So right. everyone can be a changer. Okay, that's that's another very great point. You, you're saying you have to have this scope, but all the entrepreneurs I've talked to, they have a scope. <laughs> they all they all want to change, you know, the world in their in their own ways. I want to change the world in my own way. I want to I know. help people, yeah. but I will not define myself as a social entrepreneur. Uh, you but, are. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe maybe I am. So I does it mean that I don't need to be you know investing into a social fund or I mean, a social impact to be a social entrepreneur? Maybe. Exactly. As long as you are putting people in the middle of your project because you mm. want to help people, that's that's my view. People or the planet, no? Because social entrepreneurs also are very connected with the environment and things. So if the people or the planet are in, in the center of your project, you're a social entrepreneur. So it's very good. And we are trying to help people to do that. Some entrepreneurs that they don't have a clue that they really are doing a very good social influence and job, we're trying them to just take it out because mm. it will give them the opportunity to find new investors for the project, not only the traditional investors, but social investors that really want to have a change in the world. So I guess you're a social entrepreneur. We All just right. have to work your theory of change. <laughs> yeah, the theory, <laughs> theory of change. The good yeah. one. How, how does yeah. it work a theory of change what sh what should it be what should what should it look like what's your theory of change okay then first thing you have to think is what's your mission this mm. is the broader thing the framework what do i want to do my theory of change was giving opportunities to the people that doesn't have them that they were born in the dark side of the moon so this is my mission mm. to get there what steps should i go so um, in terms of this is the mission, what is the impact you want to uh, get with your mission? I want to take out of poverty as much people as I can. So then you have one of your KPIs. How many people are you taking out of, of poverty every year? This is your output. But then you go beyond that and you say, okay, but I don't want these people just only to earn more money. What I really want is that uh, their quality of life will be better. And then you have your outcome. 
So your theory of change means that the, you have to drive and to draw KPIs that will lead you to accomplish your objective in the social part. Same way as you see, I want to get how many thousand euros per month? So I need to do this and this and this podcast and this and this, whatever, no? Mm. And then you are going like step by step to reach your point in your social um, theory of change. You are doing the same to reach your social uh, objective. So the theory of change has the small pieces that will lead you to the, and under every KPI are the actions you have to accomplish. So if I want to create jobs, I better invest in companies. And if I have to invest in companies, I better go and have a local team and everything will be like going like this. Yeah. Right. It's clear. What are you, uh, the key milestones in your life, personally, personal or, or professional, that have made you who you are today? For example, I give you uh, one of mine is the fact that I worked 14 years in market research. Mm. And, you know, through that experience, I developed the love of asking questions. And that is why one of the reasons why I became a business coach today. Because being a coach, it's very important to ask the right questions. So what about you? What are your key milestones? Well, I've always been a saleswoman and I love that. (laughs) Um, I love to sell. It's Mm. like, it goes like my, I don't know, motivation comes from coming and closing contracts and deals with customers. (laughs) Mm. So what I realize is that um, we are selling all day. I sell ideas to my husband and my kids and my boss and my customers and my dog. <laughs> so once I realize that selling is not bad because sometimes it's like oh, you're in sales. It's like you cannot do anything else and you go to sales. <laughs> mm. So when I realize that this is a really powerful tool, uh, I see that I just can convince others to help me in this way of trying to open opportunities to other people. And this is one of the main keystones in my life. But also being honest, it was very good for us that my husband's businesses were, went so good because yeah. we have the means and the money to start doing first small things and then more big things. And there is here, there is um, like a virtual circle that I, when I become older and older, see more. And it is like, were we so successful because we were giving so much money away mm-hmm. or we could give so much money away because we were so successful. I think that it, it is all together. Mm. So in a way, one part of our lives was helping the other. And I don't think that we could have been so successful if we weren't being trying to help so many people. It's like, a, so this is a big milestones. And it's like everybody say that to you. You have to first give, give. This book, give and take, is very good, and then you will be taken. No, this mm. is this is true. My life is a, a living example of of that. And some people say, okay, no, I've been giving for ten years and it's not happening. So give for ten years more. It happened. And it happens. Yeah. <laughs> if um, you look at all the projects that you have done, which one are you the most proud of? 
probably the um, asset management firm, the social assets management firm, mm. um, because from our foundation and the legislation in Spain, we couldn't invest as much as we can everywhere in the world. So we decided to launch an asset management firm and it is expensive and time consuming and we need to go to Luxembourg and everything. But now it's up and running and it is um, making other asset management uh, or, or founders of asset management firm or asset managers or people in the industry think that this could be also a business. They are not that crazy. They have a firm. They have a firm now. Um, my customers are maybe going there to find social impact funds. So I'm proud because this is like a Trojan horse. Uh, it is not the business itself. It is because it's changing minds very quickly. It's changing minds very very quickly. Yeah. Why does why do you need to change minds? Because I guess that people are very return oriented. The finance sector, mm. it's only thinking in two digits return. <laughs> That's what they think. I agree. <laughs> something, <laughs> yeah, something below that, that look at you like, oh, what is she saying? <laughs> so, and, and apart from that, we, we come from a bull market. This has been true. They have been having more than 10 years of double digit return. So mm. they have been accustomed to that and they cannot see anything else that would you push these things to a horse that he can only um, see straight. Yeah. So, but now we are so rich. You see that the, the big black rock and Vanguard firms, they are like investing to take another 10% or 20% over 20% they already got and more and more and more and they are bored. They are so bored that they invented passive investing. Let's don't do anything and let's the market move around the money and the money grow more. So I think it's the time now to use this money to do something else. It's still having a return, maybe not 20%, maybe smaller, maybe not two digits, but yes, your money will come back to, to you. Um, try to do something that you like better. To give your money a purpose, put your money to work for something, not only to make more money. It is working for itself. Put mm. your money to work for people. That's my idea. That's the change I want to introduce in these people's minds. Okay. What's, the, what's your big dream for your, for your business today or for yourself? Wow. My, my big dream, and it's not going to be for me probably, my big, big, big dream it's going to be for my grandchildren. Mm. And there is not going to be any corporation or investment that will be nor social or non-environmental. It's going to happen. I think we need two more generations, two more, two, three more generations. And it will happen. And for my life, I really want to be build a big fund in which we can help the bottom billion of the population in the world. So my claim now is one billion for the bottom billion. Wow, that's very ambitious. It is. Moonshot. It's fashionable now to have a moonshot. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking like for 20 minutes now. I'm very, uh, my impression is that you're someone very optimistic. Am I, I am. Right? I'm right. But a few, in Spain now we have really, we are now reading this alignment book from Stephen Pinker and there are other ones that they explain to you how the humanity has been developing 
very fast in a way and very good for everyone in the last 200, 300, 500 years. So I'm optimistic because history showed me that we move on and that we still we have inequalities and still we have poverty that I really get angry at that and that's what moves my life and my energy every day. But they are less than they were before. Mm. And I think that easily, easily we become closer. And there is another interesting thing here that makes, makes me feel very like proud of myself. The richer person in Spain, let's say the, the owner of Sara, this retailer. Mm. How many trips to, let's say, the Caribbean can he do that not 80% of people in Spain won't do? So there are inequality in terms of uh, net income or, or net um, money that they have. But in reality, the difference between the things that they do and the things that we can do with normal income are not that big anymore. So we can go to the cinema, read books, go to theater, make travels and everything. So the, the um, gap is narrowing. So that's why I'm most optimistic here. I was born like this. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you think being a philanthropist has made you a better entrepreneur yeah 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 because this give and take thing i can't remember the, the name of the author of the book i don't know whether he was the, the pipe guy or i don't i can't remember but he always said that he start giving and all the the social network and the new digital economy is based on you start giving, people will like what you give mm. and then they start giving you back. So I guess it makes me a better entrepreneur, but I'm sure, and I've seen it during the pandemic, the social investments we have, the social entrepreneurs we're investing in, they've been more resilient because they've been suffering a lot before and they are really keen. It's not just a return that they want, they have this problem in their minds, the trees, the plants, the birds, the rhinos or the people. But this is like a stronger uh, force than the pure business one. If you look uh, back at your entrepreneurship journey, what are the key lessons that you have learned? The key lessons is humility. So mm -hmm. every time someone kisses you out of their offices, two, three months later, go, go back. Go back. Mm -hmm. no, no matter how bad they kick you out, because these ideas that social entrepreneurs we have are inside everyone. So it's just that the first time they hear that, it provokes reaction. The second time it provokes reaction, but a bit less. And at the end of the day, they still want to be focused on social problems too and environmental problems, all of us. So keep on going and be humble because sometimes you feel a little bit superior in terms of, okay, I'm a better soul because I'm mm. very connected to the environment and my spirit of bullshit. bullshit. <laughs> 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 keep on going. Everyone have a soul. Everyone want to do good. So if you really find a company, you really want you to, to, them to help you or whatever, go, keep on going. Because every company, every investor, every big bank is made of people and people have the same heartbeat that you have. Mm. 
Any other lessons? And sometimes it's very, well, other lessons. Mm. Yeah, I think that the main one is this one. And, and yeah, be open, give, give first, mm. no matter what. Even if you say, oh, come on, this is going to be my competitor. It will come back. It, it comes back. So isn't, I'm not telling you yet, make your competitor bigger and kill yourself. But maybe in this concrete thing, we can work together. Maybe I can just give a little bit of my idea and we can do something. Because now I see, no, don't know whether it's in, everywhere in the world, but lots of uh, small entrepreneurs working like uh, apart. True. And I guess that we need, uh, this, this sector needs to be bigger and then we need to collaborate and make businesses bigger by joint forces and, and do better and good doing it together. Now, this is my idea. I really want to share your ideas. Whenever you think you are, this is another key thing. Whenever you think you, are, you have been like, this is brilliant. This, is, this idea is wonderful. This is like, we are going to change everything. At least a hundred people around you are having the same idea. <laughs> same, same is when you choose the name of your child that you say, I'm gonna be like very different. His name. <laughs> then you go to his first school, and in the class, three people is the teacher that don't have the same name of your child. This is the same. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Any big mistake that you have made? When we started learning about microfinance, we said, this is very simple. We can do it by ourselves. Mm. Let's go to, we started in Uganda. Let's find what, some people there that could take care of the money we were giving. And let's choose a bunch of women that will be needing things. We lost our, our money. So normally when you are starting something from the scratch, even if it sounds like it resounds with me, I should be doing this. In reality, I was doing this before, but try to do something with someone else. So if you learn from someone and you can help this someone a little bit or just co-invest with them or co-work with them, do it mm. because you will be learning. And uh, then the, the probability of, of having mistakes will be smaller. Right. This is my big learning. And start soon. A start soon is very important. I waited very much. I wanted to be sure. I want my children to be bigger. I want my husband's business to be stronger. And then I really started to push this thing far when I was 45. Mm. It's not bad, but if I should have started in 35, maybe. So if you really have a call, like you said, and uh, you can't do it because you can just live with whatever money you have or jump into it, jump into it. The sooner, the better, because life is so short. <laughs> the sooner, the better, but you're saying also start small though, like yep. small step first. So you, you, can, yeah. you can learn about it. It better if you can learn with someone or through someone. Mm. I'm, I'm going to help this project that is similar to what I want to do. And maybe it's in another country. And then mm. I learn with them and see, and then I launch it here. Yeah. Right. Uh, it's funny because when we prepared this uh, interview, you told me uh, that you studied late, but hey, you say it's never too late. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and now you're just talking about that, that you studied, that you studied too late. It's kind of a yeah. bit late. It's not that it's too late, but um, now I'm 50. 
I guess my energy in 10 years is not going to be as mm. much as I have now. And these projects and all social entrepreneurships take time. So probably if I would have started 10 years before, uh, my project would be more mature now. But in the same way, uh, I started with 45. I still haven't read my book. I'm planning to do it maybe in my 60s. <laughs> so there's time for everything. The other day I was reading about Ortega, this uh, founder of Sara, the retailer, Spanish retailer. And he really started his business to be big at 55. Mm. So he's been with his small retailer frame in Galicia and then, then so. And there are lots of studies, stories about it, entrepreneurs everywhere that they didn't start doing something until they are in their fifties. So indeed, like yeah. uh, McDonald's, I think. Sure. Um, yeah. 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 You're right. Yeah. There's no age <laughs> to be a, an entrepreneur. If I had the ability to grant you one wish today to improve your your business, what would it be? I'm always debating into two. You know, the evil and the angel. In, mm. <laughs> around your head um, on one hand I really want to grow my fund because I like the companies I invest in and everything but on the other hand I really want others to start changing the way they do business and philanthropy so what will be best I think I will be more impactful by helping helping others my fund is very small now it is five million if I help a one billion fund to start changing I will be much more impactful. So, and my wish list is helping others and make other asset management firms and big foundations change the way they do philanthropy for a more sustainable and more dignified way of doing things. It will be my wish. Although I want to grow my fund too. (laughs) (laughs) If we have uh, startups or companies listening to us and they're interested in your in your fund and they want to apply, what do they need to do? And you know what criteria are you looking at? Yeah. So by now we are investing in Africa and Spain. So for Europe we are not still investing. Uh, but anyway, if you are interested in Africa or in Spain, is our website have lots of information, which mm-hmm. is openvaluefoundation.org, and then our funds it's globalsocialimpact.es. Um, there you just can connect with info that is going directly to my mailbox and then I just can, or even my LinkedIn in, in Maria Angeles Leon, I'll be there. All right. Yeah. My show is called Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. And this is a question I ask all my guests. Have mm. you cracked the code? Oh, I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I want to know more. <laughs> I'm really trying to crack the, the code. In a way, when we, half of my foundation do projects and impact investing and what I told you, and half of my foundation is just to crack the code. Because we really think that we want to take this soul and this heartbeat that everyone has. We want it to be like um, out of everyone. So I wanted to crack the code, but I want to crack the code in a personal way. Everyone to crack their own code. Mm. And this will change the system code. So small approach. How can I crack the code in my life? I live for the system. I'm, I'm in the system. 
although I really want to change things. So what is the best way I can change small things in my life to practical? I love the question. Are you trying to crack the social entrepreneurship code or the, the entrepreneurship code? And is there a difference between social entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship? Well, I'm going like beyond that a little bit. Okay. And it's to, yeah, to crack the, the finance and the traditional economy code. Now there are people talking about capitalism is over. Mm-hmm. We need to change the way we do things. I'm interested in this because I think that's the main force that moved the business um, in the world. So we're still return oriented. Uh, we need to give return to the shareholders. Stakeholders are not in the plan. The planet are not in the plan. People is mm. not in the plan. So that's what I really want to change. And it will drive to a change in entrepreneurship and also in social entrepreneurship. So um, my big uh, motto is in, in three generations, there won't be an entrepreneur, but social and environmental entrepreneurs. So that's why I really want to change from, from the top. And at and, and the same time, the bottom, we should be growing our small businesses for when the money is ready to invest in us, we will be ready to be invested. Not so small, not so by my own, but big projects together with other people. Yeah. All right, beautiful. Well, thank you very much for your time, Maria, today. <laughs> thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> And thank you all for listening. You can find this podcast on my website as well as your favorite podcast platforms. Subscribe now so you don't miss any episodes. See you next time. Bye-bye.